Amen. Wow. Well, the night is young. Is it? <laughs> you believe that? Okay, good. Um, I want to do, and you know, I probably won't do this every single time that I preach, but I really enjoyed doing it last night, so I think I'm going to do it again tonight, especially because our heart for this conference is for the move of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, to not be centralized in just a single pastor, a single leader. We, we want to activate what the Holy Spirit has within us through the whole body. We, we want to partake in what the Lord is doing. So I'm going to do this again. I'm going to have you pray for me uh, before I start preaching the Word tonight. Okay, uh, take a moment. Uh, hold hands with somebody next to you if you want to. If you're not with anybody, you can hold hands with yourself. Uh, but take some time. Pray that the word of the Lord would go forth in boldness, that you would have ears to hear, and that I would be listening to the Spirit as I speak. Amen. I don't want to stop anybody from praying, but I, I received that. I, I get a feeling right now that there's just a, a, such a peace in the room right now. Uh, from the time of worship, even up to now, I can just sense the peace of the Lord in, a, in an amazing way. And I have this sneaky suspicion that there are so many people in the room right now who have just heard a voice, who have been hearing a voice throughout the, the night. Maybe, it's, maybe it came through a South African voice. Maybe it came through a, an amen. Maybe it came through an Oklahoman voice. I don't know. But, <laughs> but I, I believe that you're hearing a voice of someone speaking to you in your heart that you're greater than what you thought you were. I think some people are hearing a voice of hope and of peace. And, and even now, I just, I just want us to thank the Lord for that voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us. Because even in a still, small voice, even in that tiny thing that's telling you in the back of your mind that you are good enough, that you can, those little things, it, it's just a tiny, tiny word from that voice is enough to drown out a lifetime of you're not good enough, of you can't do this, of you never will. And I just want to take some time for us to just Thank the Lord for that voice. Thank you, Lord, for that voice. Thank you for bringing us back to you and centering our hearts on what you say about us and not what we tell ourselves or what someone else tells us. Thank you, Lord, for your peace tonight. What I want to talk to you about briefly, I promise I'll be brief, is your testimony. And now I'm not going to pass a microphone around right now, but I just want to... If you have a testimony, could you raise your hand? 
Yeah? Okay, good. I'm seeing a lot of hands, and I like that. I want to tell you that even if you didn't raise your hand, you have a testimony. Every single person in this room tonight has a testimony. The, the title here is that the Lord empowers us by way of the Holy Spirit to be a witness through our holy testimony. Our holy testimony is what we're talking about right now. And you have a testimony. Because a testimony, the same word could be witness. If someone is called to be a witness at trial or called to testify or bring a testimony about something, then literally all that person is called to do is talk about what they saw. Have you ever seen anything in your life? You got a testimony. If you've seen something and you have experienced something, then you have a testimony. Okay, we'll get into whether or not it's holy, but... You, you at least have a testimony. You've at least got something to say. You've at least had something happen in your life. Every single person, if you are living, breathing, even if you just recently stopped breathing, you've got a testimony because you've seen. And so the, the question tonight, I think, is what have you seen? And even bigger than what have you seen, how have you seen? Okay. Because that's going to determine whether or not our testimony is holy, I guess. Because I think there are a lot of people here maybe that say, okay, yeah, I have a testimony. I'll give you that because you tricked me with the whole, if you've seen something, then you've got a testimony. Yeah, I've got a testimony maybe, but it's not very holy. You know, my wife was talking to me today and reminded me every single person tries to belittle their own testimony. It's a lie from the enemy. The things that you've seen in your life that you've done, I, I grew up like this, so we'd have testimony time, and people, we'd talk about people, man, I did uh, every single kind of drug you could think of, and I slept with all these people, and I killed people, and this, and then Jesus has saved me, and uh, look, at, look at this, and I'm like, wow, that's a powerful testimony, and I look at myself, and I think, I don't have a testimony. I was born and raised in church. I like I didn't choose God. God chose me. <laughs> I, I, you know, this is what I was just supposed to do. Here I am just walking in it. And, and so I'm like, oh, I don't have a testimony. I don't have a cool story like that. And then the same is true on the flip side. The people who have been through everything, been to hell and back again, and it wasn't a hobbit's tale or anything like that, that they are like, oh, wow, I've done too much. I've seen too much. This, I don't have a testimony. I haven't actually been holy or good. The, the enemy will try to belittle whatever your story is. Whatever you've seen, whatever you've experienced, the enemy is the one who's going to try to tell you, that's not holy, you can't do anything with that. The Lord can't use that. And, you know, that fear can creep in immediately, just like what Pastor Zach was talking about. That fear is, is knocking. I like what he said, just keep the door locked. That fear is there where even whenever you're hearing something amazing, you know, whenever we share testimony, it's to build faith. And Pastor Zach's sharing his testimony about what the Lord did in, in their family. And you think, oh, man, well, mine's not really as big as that. Mine's not that cool. Don't, don't ever belittle the things that you've seen or what God's brought you through and what God's brought you to and how holy it is. 
Okay, because here's, here's what's going to make your testimony holy. Not the, the facts about what actually took place. Not the ins and outs. But what makes it holy is whenever the Holy Spirit baptizes your mind to actually see it through his eyes and to see what your testimony actually is. That is what is going to make our testimony holy. That's what makes our testimony holy. The the temple was a holy place of the Lord. Was the temple holy at all because of the bricks or stones that they used or the nice measurements that they used? It wasn't holy for any other purpose but the fact that that's where God was dwelling. That's what made the temple holy. You, good news, I'll tell you right now, you are a temple of the Lord. So what's making you holy is not the facts, the ins and outs of your past, but what makes you holy is what you are containing inside of you and what you've contained this entire time. And your story is holy because God is in you and he is holy. So you do not just have a testimony, you have a holy testimony. You have something to say, you have something to share, and there's a world that needs to hear it. And the way that your testimony is going to be holy is not the extravagant sins that you've committed and Christ brought you out of, or it's not the fact that you never did anything wrong in your entire life and praise God for it. It's because you are a temple of the living God, and He is holy. And He's building a story in you that is a holy testimony. Okay, so I want to go to the gospel, uh, the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 8. Because what the enemy will try to do is really tempt us to think that God hasn't actually done anything in our lives. It's very easy to forget the holiness of our testimony. It's really easy to forget the good things that God has done, even when it's extravagant. Maybe you've had something happen in your life. You're like, man, God, I'll never forget this. This is amazing. Praise the Lord. I was sick, and now I'm healed, and I'll never forget that. Amen. Two weeks later, <coughs> oh, man, there's no, there's no cure for the pain. Uh, we, we forget so easily. But, you know, we overcome by the word of our testimony. We overcome through this remembering the beautiful things that God's done in the past and the holiness of what he's done. So here in the, uh, in the book of Mark, chapter 8, I'm going to have a look at the disciples with Jesus. And I got to tell you, um, the disciples don't, they, they aren't exhibiting their best foot forward in this story here. Uh, but I don't want us to criticize the disciples too much because they do some stupid things sometimes. But you know what? They're a pretty good mirror in a picture of ourselves, okay? So whenever you get quick to criticize the disciples here, just um, think about yourself, okay? That's what I'm going to do, and it's useful. So here, before we start reading, I'm going to start reading in chapter 14. But two things took place in this very chapter before what we're about to read. In the book of Mark, chapter 8, it starts out, you might have a nice little heading in your Bible that says, Jesus feeds the 4,000. Jesus feeds the 4,000. And this is an amazing story where there's very little food, there's not much. Jesus takes it, blesses it, distributes it to 4,000 people to where what was little and tiny and couldn't actually be used for much ended up feeding 
so many people. In previous chapters, in the same book, he did the same thing for 5,000 people. So Jesus has done some pretty amazing stuff with very little food, feeding a lot of people. He's shown that he can do that. And the disciples were there for it the whole time. Then there's a little story that says the Pharisees demand a sign. And the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say that we want to see a sign. And he says, I'm not going to give you one. You're not going to get a sign from me. And he's frustrated with them. And you know, that's a lot of times how we approach God whenever we forget how great of a testimony he's actually brought us through. We say, God, we need a sign. God, I'm going to come to Supernatural and I'm going to sit here in my chair with my arms crossed and I'm going to watch and see what you do. God, show me something. When really, maybe we just need to remember what he's already done. Don't get me wrong, God will do, God can do, and he wants to do the impossible and continue to show you what is so great and what he can do. He wants to do that, but it's a little bit more about our perspective and how we're looking at it. If we're demanding a sign from the Lord, God, I won't believe until I see this. He's saying, blessed are those who believe and haven't seen. And hey, remember two years ago whenever I actually did something. Remember last week. Remember last night whenever I did something really powerful in your life. And already you're just looking for another sign and needing another sign to convince yourself that I can do it. So anyway, Jesus had just done a really cool thing, fed 4,000 people with very little food. And here we are, Mark chapter 8, verse 14. Now, this is, the disciples are with Jesus. Now they had forgotten to bring bread. Wow. <laughs> they forgot, who forgot the bread? You know, already Jesus is bailing them out of these situations. A lot of people, no food, and still, somebody forgot to bring the bread. They forgot to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And Jesus, see here, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Saying, watch out, don't let this same thing that happened with them tempt you. Because these same people who were saying, Lord, we demand a sign. He said, don't let that tempt you. Okay, he wants them to remember. He, he, knew, what, he knew what was going on. He knew what was about to happen. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. They began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And it's a fact. This is something I kind of want to sit on for a second. It was a fact that they had no bread. Look at your life, and there are some facts that you have to deal with. But the fact is not the truth. We like to equate fact and truth, but that's not, it's not the same thing. The fact is what we see. Yes, there are some facts in our life. There is a diagnosis sometimes. There is a broken relationship. There is a divorce that is a fact. It's happened. But the truth of God is restoration. And the truth of Jesus Christ is healing. The truth doesn't always look the same as the facts. And whenever we get so hung up and caught up on the facts, then it blinds us to the truth of what God actually wants us to live in. Because the facts are very easy to see on earth, but the truth is something that is the kingdom. 
And Jesus said that we should pray that the kingdom would come to the earth and not the other way around. We keep bringing the earth to God and saying, hey, God, this is the fact. Hey, God, look, it's a fact. Hey, it's just a fact of life. This is a fact of the earth. And Jesus says, yeah, great, awesome. I was born into that. I came into that. I saw those facts. I saw the earth, and I brought the kingdom to the earth, and I'm calling you to do the same thing. Jesus wants you to bring his truth to the earth. He doesn't want you to bring the facts of the earth to him as if there's nothing that he can do about it. He can do something about it. So anyway, they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? It literally, like, just got off the boat from, like, earlier in the chapter. Jesus is like, hey, 4,000 people, food, boom, gotcha. And they're like, man, there's 12 of us here, 13 counting Jesus. We, we have no bread. And he said, <laughs> okay, I'm making fun of the disciples, but remember, look at yourself, okay? I'm making fun of myself here. Okay, this is us. He says, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? And here's where I want to come to right here. Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? Having eyes do you not see, having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember? Remember we said a testimony... You give a testimony of what you've seen. John and Peter that, that we mentioned, they said, how can we not but tell of the things that God has done? How can, we not, how can we not talk about what we've seen God do? A testimony is what you've seen God do. And what Jesus is telling these disciples here is you have eyes right now, but you're not seeing and so what I want to tell us and encourage us in tonight is that we have a holy testimony. No matter what your life has looked like up to this point, you have a holy testimony. And if you feel like it's not holy, God wants to open your eyes tonight. God wants to open your eyes to see not the facts of your life, but the truth of God in your life. We've got too many people who have eyes but can't see what God has actually done in their life. Who've got ears but can't actually hear, wow, this is the Lord speaking to me right now. So it's not, it's not a matter of fact. This isn't a matter of what's happened in your life, what hasn't. Oh, well, I haven't, I haven't seen the dead raised, so I guess it doesn't happen. I haven't seen this, I haven't seen that. God wants to open your eyes to the things that maybe you haven't seen because you've just overlooked them up to this point. The things in yourself, the holiness that God has placed on the inside of you, he wants to open your eyes to it. Because God has been moving. If you're alive and breathing right now, if, you, if you've got blood throwing, flowing through your veins, then God has been moving in your life, and he just wants you to see it. He wants to open your eyes to see it. Let the Lord open your eyes to see that tonight. Let's keep going a little bit. 
So he says in verse 18, Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. I'm sure they like said it under their breath too, like somebody coughed it. <laughs> Twelve. And the seven for the 4,000 that happened just now. Okay, I'm not, sorry, I'm not going to put those words in Jesus' mouth. He says, and the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? I think that's what the Lord is speaking to us tonight. Don't come here looking for something for God to do like he's never done it before. Don't look for God to prove something. God's got nothing to prove to us. God has nothing to prove to us. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to move. That's not to say that, that God's done and he, he's not going to sit in the corner and say, oh, well, just because they want me to prove something, I'm not going to do anything now. It's more about a posture of our heart and what we're ready to actually receive and see. But let's not, let's not act, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that God hasn't done something in our life. And let's not fool ourselves into thinking that God doesn't want to do more. Because whenever we actually see, whenever we look at our lives, when we look at the testimony of Jesus Christ, of what he's done, then it doesn't just cause us to look at the past and say, yeah, God's done some amazing things. It causes us to look at our future with greater hope. God doesn't want you to be caught up in the past. Your testimony and the testimony that the Lord has worked in you is so that you can look to the future knowing that the Lord has done it and he'll do it again. The Lord has done it and he'll do it again. The Lord has done it and he'll do it again. You know, I don't know. I thought I, thought I had uh, more that I, I wanted to share. I might, I'll just give you a little bit of a piece, okay, and we'll, we'll maybe pray about this more later. But the last thing I wanted to talk about was the our side of this, our holy testimony. Because God has built a beautiful testimony in every single person that's here. Beautiful testimony. You may have the cool stories in your mind. You may not yet. But God's built a beautiful, beautiful Holy Testimony in every single individual here. But where the power of the Holy Spirit comes to do this and to use this is whenever he weaves your testimony, my testimony, into what can become our testimony. And that's where I, I truly believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be unleashed on a community like Boswell, Oklahoma, or on Choctaw County, is not just Micah Moore, not just Zach Bacchus, not just whoever you are living a good testimony for God, but whenever all of these things are woven together by way of the Holy Spirit in the, on, the way that only the Holy Spirit can do it to make it our holy testimony that points to the power of Jesus Christ. Because one single person, in a, one single person here cannot do enough and see enough in their lives to change this entire county. 
But the unity of the Spirit is enough of a testimony in and of itself to change this county, to change this world. Jesus prayed this. You can go look it up in John 17. We've been doing a lot of John uh, 16, 15, 16, 17, because we've been talking a lot this week about what Jesus says to his disciples. He had so much that he had to say to his disciples before he goes to be crucified. Can you imagine the situation that Jesus was in at that moment? Because he's got so much. He even said that I've got so much to say to you, but you can't bear to hear it all now. And can you imagine, he's going to be crucified. He knows what he's about to do. And he's like, I know it does not end with me. I know that something greater is coming. I know that I'm building a church that's going to go on through centuries. And these are the people by way of the Holy Spirit to do it. Can you imagine how many things left unsaid? I I don't know how I would make a, a talk like that. I don't know how I would communicate what needs to be communicated in that moment. But he chose to keep his words relatively short and say, I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you someone who's going to teach you, who's going to actually teach you more about me even than you learned about me whenever you were walking with me when I was here with you. I'm going to send you a teacher to teach about me. And what he prayed over those disciples in that moment was that they would be one just as he and the Father are one. Can you fathom how one Jesus and the Father are one? No, I can't. I can't even fathom that. But what Jesus' prayer was, and I believe that Jesus' prayers get answered, Jesus' prayer was that his church, his followers, his believers would be just as one, just as in unity as he and the Father are one. That's powerful. And he said that the world would know that we're his followers and the world would know God's love by our unity. That, that, that is bigger than anybody falling in the spirit. That is bigger than the, the powerful miracles even that we see in front of us tonight because we're going to see some miracles tonight. We're going to see people like chains fall off of people and we're going to see people healed tonight. But what's bigger than that even is a body of believers who can be in unity because of the Spirit of God living on the inside of them. And unity is not sameness. We, we really, we have a fixation on everyone thinking and being the same as us. Wow, just look at Facebook, especially whenever politics are involved. When the election season comes around, if you don't believe the same things I believe, if you're not voting for the same person I am, if you don't think this, and it, it's, it's like we want everybody to be on the same party line, and I'm not talking politics anymore, but we want everybody to have the same ticket as us, and then we can be in unity. We, God has not called us to be the same. But he's called us to be in unity, and it's even more difficult that way. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Because if we all thought the same exact things, if we all did the same stuff, then yeah, we could agree on a lot. But we could only do one, two, whatever. We could only do a few things because we'd all be the same. 
We need different opinions. We need different ideas. We need different visions. We need different gifts. And the Lord wants to work that and weave that together by way of the Holy Spirit to create a body of believers that are united. And in that unity, he's going to show himself to be loving in the earth and to be strong in the earth. And he wants to build our holy testimony our holy testimony. Not just you, not just me. It's bigger than us. The work of the Holy Spirit. You might have come tonight, and God bless you. God bless all of us if we did. May have come here tonight only looking at ourselves, only thinking about ourselves. God, I have this need that needs to be met tonight. God, do this for me tonight. And if that's you, praise the Lord. God can do it tonight. But God wants to lift us to a place where we come to a service like this and we aren't praying, God, I need this from you tonight. We're praying, God, use me tonight. Holy Spirit, show yourself strong, not just in my life, but through my life to somebody else. God, build your church tonight. God, build your testimony. Because, you know, this testimony, what we see, what we've heard, and what what we're testifying to, it needs to be Jesus. We're not building a testimony for ourselves. We're not, God, do something big in my life so that I can have a cool story to tell and I'll have a testimony for myself. Our testimony is Jesus Christ. Our testimony is the fact that the God of the universe became a man, lived, died, was resurrected so that he could give the Spirit of God to us so that we could commune with God and be friends with God, hear from God. It's a doesn't get any bigger than that. And that's, that's his testimony that he wants to work in and through us. So I want us to move into the ministry time. I, w- I want it to be short because I know that God's got some things that he wants to do. And the word says that, that he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That through Jesus, God radically reconciled us back to himself. And that he's using now our testimony of what God's done in us to reconcile the world to himself. And I I want us to be a people who carry out that mission of reconciliation. I want to see reconcilers. I want to be a reconciler both God to people and myself to others. Because we've got broken relationships, but there's unity that can come only through the Spirit. And so the first, I'm just going to, we'll start the bidding at this. (laughs) We're talking ministry time. I'm going to start the bidding here. I want to pray over some people who are eager tonight to show the radical kindness of God. The word says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And we've got a lot of fractures in our world. We've got a lot of fractured stuff in the church, outside the church, in marriages, between parents and children. We've got a lot of fractures. And it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness that leads the world to repentance. 
It's a radical kind of kindness that I'm, you, you know, kindness is such a mild word in our language. Kind, oh, that person's kind. They're nice. But it's such a powerful thing to say that it's God's kindness that leads people towards repentance. Because repentance does not happen on accident. Repentance is not a perchance kind of thing. And so for kindness to lead people to repentance, it's a strong and powerful thing. And so this is where I just, I want to start the bidding. Uh, is there anyone here tonight who wants to, to say, I want to be a vessel of God's radical kindness to the world to draw people to him? I believe that there is a grace and a calling to actually do this, to go beyond our own selfishness, to go beyond our own anger issues, things that we've dealt with in the past, to actually take on God's kindness to be a vessel of reconciliation between the world and God. If that's you, could you just raise your hand? And if that's you, could you come up here? I, I just want to speak a word of grace and blessing to be the kind of radical vessel of God's kindness that's going to move and shake the world. And can I have Pastor Zach, Pastor Craig come as well? believe that you're going to see a manifestation of this kindness in your life. I believe that you're going to see a manifestation of something so radically other and spiritual that you won't be able to, to argue with the fact that this is something that God is doing in my life and God is doing in my life. As Pastor Michael was sharing about the desire for you to show kindness is what the Lord showed for each one of you. That desire to show kindness has been birthed out of a pain that has been done to you. You have that desperate desire to show that wonderful gift of kindness to somebody else because it was once robbed from you. And when Scripture says, I will restore that which the locusts have eaten, he is saying that which has been taken away will be restored to my earth through you and, and not just to top you up, but to restore it in abundance, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing because of what was already taken from you. Embrace that which was taken because it will be the passion that will give you the motivation to do that which Pastor Micah has just called you to do. Does that make sense to anybody here? Don't sit around waiting for the Lord to restore that which the locust has taken from you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power to help you restore unto others that which was taken from you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Someone better explain it to me. <laughs> Let's pray together.